0: Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come and worship you, to pour out our hearts to you, O God, to be strengthened by your Spirit, to be healed in our bodies, to be renewed in our minds. We submit ourselves to you, your kingdom, your ways. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. My message this morning I have entitled First Things. First Things. I just want to look at some things in the Bible that say, that, that say first. And uh, just to, this is what I call one of those uh, self uh, self awareness. Uh, I like to I like to look at scriptures and and apply them to my life. And say, Am I doing that? Am I being the person that God wants me to be? So kind of a uh, an introspection, but a healthy introspection, not a, not a morbid putting ourselves down and making you know I'm so bad, I'm so terrible. But looking at my life and saying, how do, I, how do I need to change? How do I need to conform? And uh, so we're going to look at some first things, where the Bible talks about doing things first. And uh, so we'll, we'll start in Matthew chapter 23. 20, I'm sorry, chapter 22. And, and it's obvious, I think, uh, when you think about first things, you think about God, for putting God first. And Matthew twenty-two, in verse thirty-four, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your strength. This is the great and first or another Bible might say foremost, but this is the great and first commandment. So the first things, for putting first things first is putting God first. Loving God above everything and above everyone. There's, there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 10 and Jesus says in verse 37 He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So that's it's not that we're not supposed to love those, those people that are around that we have, but we, our love for God is supposed to come first. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who has found his life will lose it, but he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Putting our, you can't put your family before God. You can't put anything before God. God comes first, and I'm not saying we need to be harsh or cruel, but we need to just love God and say, God, God, I can't. I, there's some things I just can't do, because it's not. It's not what God would want. What God what what God wants in our life is going to be primary. We have to love God first. It's the first and foremost command. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And putting God putting God first means you want to spend time with Him. You know, you share you share your heart with Him. You look forward to spending time with him. I think one of the, one of the, one of the earmarks of, of whether I, how much I love God is, well, is how much I look forward to, to prayer, to spending time with God. You know, do I see prayer as a, as a privilege, as an opportunity to fellowship with God, to sense his presence, to be strengthened by him, to pour my heart out to him? Or do I sense it as like more of a duty or an obligation? If I really love God, I want to spend time with him. It's like I love my wife. I, I want to spend time with her. I don't, I don't feel like I have to. I want to because of, because of my love for her. And our love for God would be displayed the same way. You know, I've, I've often said, why did, why did God love David so much? Because he loved God so much. You know, David David didn't plan on being king. He, God put that on him. But he's been, he said about David, I've, I found him, I found David to be a man after my own heart. And David would sit out and tend his sheep, and he'd write these songs. In, like in Psalm 42, it says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. David's like, I can't get enough of you, God. I just want to worship you. I want to spend time with you. I want your presence in my life. He was a seeker of God, and God blessed him and raised him up to be the greatest king that, that, that Israel ever had. Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you love me, you keep my comm-. Three times he said it in a short period. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So keeping the commandments of God, doing, doing what he says to do, and following him with all of our heart. You know, when I was thinking, I remember a story one time of a couple, a married. it was a couple that had been married about 20 years, and they were having trouble in their marriage, and they went to see the pastor to uh, to get some marriage counseling. And the wife, said, the wife says, my husband never tells me he loves me. He never tells me he loves me. And the pastor said, well, what do you have to say about that? He said, well, I told her on our wedding day I loved her. And I told her if it ever changes, I'll let her know. <laughs> we, need to, we need to let God know we love him. Just like we need to let people know we love him. They, you know, God, I love you. I want to spend time with you. I tell you, I hunger for God's presence. And I don't always sense it like in a real strong way, but God always comes when you pray. It may take a few minutes to kind of get into the spirit, but once you do, his presence comes and it blesses you. It just, It's such an encouraging when the spirit of God comes and touches you. So put first things. The first things of all first things is putting God first. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind with all your strength. I've got several, well, I'll just touch on a few of them, but I've got several first this morning. Okay, Matthew chapter seven. Do not judge so you, will, so you will not be judged. For in the same way you judge, it will, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or well, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in, your, is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So the first here is first judge yourself before you start judging everybody else. Don't be so critical of others. Look more to yourself because we all have our faults. We all have our flaws that need to be straightened out. In Proverbs chapter 12, it says, whoever loves discipline... Loves knowledge. It's it's not it's not the will of God that we be critical of others. How they walk, how they talk. We're not supposed to judge, we're supposed to love. Now, there's an exception to that, I think. If you're in an oversight position, then you have to you have to judge. You have to correct. But you do it in love and not negatively. It's easy it's easy to see how others need to change. You ever notice that? It's so easy to see everyone else's faults you know they don't, they don't act right, they don't talk right, they're not raising their kids right, whatever. as long as we're looking at them, we don't have to look at ourselves. We justify ourselves because we're not like them you know we've got we, we owe, every every one of us has a set of uh, a kind of a set of rules that we abide by and they fit us you know they and we, we think of ourselves more highly than we ought. The Bible says, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. But we can't be critical of others. And the Bible, Jesus said, "Don't be very careful that you, you don't take the look at the speck in someone else's eye and you've got a log in your own eye. Allow the Spirit of God to come and minister to you and show you in your life how you need to change. And be humble and submit yourself to the, to the workings of the Spirit of God in your life. In Romans chapter 14, it says, Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he'll stand or fall, and stand he will, because God will cause him to stand. One of the first things we need to stop, stop doing is, is judging others, being critical of others, and, and let God shine his light upon us and change us into the people that he wants us to be. In a similar thought, in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 21, it says, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoever says to his brother, You good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, You fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. So the first, another first is we need to be reconciled to people. We need to be at peace with others and not hold a grudge. Not be angry upset. Not you know, be... The Bible says we cannot we cannot be angry. We cannot be bitter towards people. We have to forgive them. In Romans chapter twelve, in Ro- there's a wonderful scripture in Romans chapter twelve and verse seventeen. It says, "Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved." But leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. We're not supposed to, be, we're not supposed to hold a grudge or unforgiveness toward anyone. The Bible is very strict, very, very concerned about that. In fact, Jesus said, that at the end, of the, when he taught the Lord's Prayer, and we say, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If we don't forgive, the Bible says, God won't forgive us of our sins. So we have to be reconciled. And just and the, it says in Romans, if possible, so far as it, can, it depends on you. So you make the effort to be, to be right with somebody. If they don't want to be right with you, that's their problem. We, we, we release them, we forgive them, we let them go. You know, we've had people say, but pastor, you don't understand how they hurt me. Or you don't understand what they said to me. No, they did hurt you. And when people, are, when, when we're hurt, we, f- we feel we have a right to be angry. We have a right to be bitter. But God says you got to let it go. And you got to forgive for your sake. Because it's, that bitterness is only eating at you. And i I've, when someone hurts you and offends you and it causes, it causes you to be bitter and angry, you've got to let it go. Because as long as you're upset, then, you're, then, they, then that thing is still affecting you. That hurt, that wound, whatever they said, whatever they did to you as, long as you, as long as you maintain unforgiveness, bitterness and anger, that thing is still eating at you and it will continue to eat at you. And God won't bless you. So you have to, you have to forgive people who hurt us. Let them go in Jesus' name. There's a prayer that my wife prayed with so many people over the years. You know, I forgive anybody and everyone who's ever hurt me in any way. I will let it go in Jesus' name. I tell you, there's a freedom in it. And God will bless you for, for forgiving people their, their offenses. The Bible says if we, will, if we won't forgive others, God won't forgive us. So it's so important to your eternal salvation to forgive and to let people go. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 25. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside will become clean also. So first thing, we have to worry about what's going on inside of us. Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 in a Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The problem with the Pharisees is they looked holy. They acted holy, and they offered long prayers, but inside they were corrupt. They're full of jealousy and bitterness and prejudice and greed. They were legalistic, harsh, judgmental, and cruel. their, their, Their hearts were hard. Their hearts were mean and cruel. And Jesus said we need to clean the inside of the cup. Get the inside right. Get your attitudes right. Get your motives right. Walk in love. Walk in forgiveness. And God will bless you. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no man will see the Lord. We're called to be a holy people, a pure people. And that's what God wants for us on the inside. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, The Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore, therefore, having these precious promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. God wants us to be holy, wants us to be pure in our thoughts and our motives. The Pharisees were harsh and legalistic and cruel. God wants us to be kind and humble and bless people. So, first things... I get a concern about what's going on in my heart, in my life, so that God can do, to, do with me what he, what he wants. So first things first. Cleaning inside the cup and of the dish so that the outside may become clean also. Because what's in our heart will affect our lives. If we are pure in our hearts, our lives will be pure. If we're critical in our lives, in our hearts, then our lives will be critical. Let me just do a couple more this morning. Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. That's about the fact when this young man fell out of the window and died. But on the first day of the week, when they were gathered together to break bread. So, to me, I liken that is importance of honoring God on the Lord's Day. In the Old Testament they had the Sabbath. Sabbath was from sundown Friday to sundown Sunday and it was mandatory in the Old Testament that they that they go to synagogue on the Sabbath. We have in our Christian walk we meet on the first day of the week and that's where they met on the first day of the week. Part of our, part of our walking with part of our loving God and being faithful to him is being faithful to the house of God, coming to church. Committed committed Jews went to synagogue, and committed Christians come to church. We have to understand the importance of church attendance, the importance of coming, gathering together with our fellow believers to worship God, to be strengthened in our spirit, to be fed the word of God, and to be helped in our walk. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 it says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more when you see the day drawing near. The writer of Hebrews says, let us stimulate one another to love and good deeds, assembling ourselves together. One of our one of my gauges. For me, it's how much I love God is how important church is to me. Gathering together with other believers, worshiping him, coming, coming, taking that time apart from the world and worshiping him and being fed the word. I was raised Roman Catholic. And I've said this before, but I feel like the Roman Catholic Church taught me, taught me some things, but three things especially that the Roman Catholic taught me to respect the ministry, Well, I remember when I went to public school, I went to private school, Catholic school, when the priest walked into the class, the nun, the nun had a clicker, and she'd click, 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 and we'd all jump to our feet because the priest walked in. We really had respect for the priest. And he taught me to, and the Catholic Church taught me to go to church on Sunday. And the other thing it taught me was to kneel before my God. And I don't know any of the, Churches that kneel, but the, Catholics, the Catholic Church kneels. It's good to kneel before God. It's good to love him and want to spend time with him and with others in church. Coming to church is an, is an important gauge of how much God is, how important God is to us. And finally, in Proverbs chapter three and verse nine. Honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of all of your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. The Bible says the first first part of, of, of our good, the first part of our income belongs to God. We call it the tithe. Honor the Lord from your wealth, and from the first of all of your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will flow with new wine. The tithe belongs to God and it's always the first part. You know, it says in Genesis chapter 4 that Abel, when Cain and Abel brought a sacrifice to God, it says Abel brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And his his offering was acceptable to God. In Luke it says, give and it shall be given unto you. our part is to give first. And it shall be given unto you for good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men pour into your lap. And Second Corinthians chapter 9, this principle of sowing and reaping comes again. It says, now I say this to you, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's the principle of sowing and reaping, and it works. We sow to God, we give to God what belongs to God, and he'll bless us. And, and God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So first things first, first loving God, first being forgiving a forgiving person, first being kind and gentle, having pure motives, first in our church attendance, first in our giving to God. all those first help me to be the person that God wants me to be to watch to let the Spirit of God shine his light upon me and bring correction into my life because I need it as much as anyone. So I'll leave that thought with you this morning in Jesus' name. Father, help us to put you first in all things, to love you first, to love your ways, to allow your spirit to deal with us in aspects of our life that need to change because we all need to change, God, in some way. So we submit to you We submit to your spirit. We submit to your dealings in our life because we love you. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for prospering us. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for being God to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.